0: Hi, everyone. We were honored to um, be asked to light the Advent candle today. And we're we're just drawn together from meeting at Wellspring, and we've been together friends. And so we're a family of friends, and we're missing Susan Sokin, who's part of our our team. But we've been through so much joys and trials, and it's just a special family when You're a family of friends. And um, this is Julie and Dean and I'm Laurie. Okay. Gracious God, we are weary. We join your people who for thousands of years have lifted up their weariness to you and the weariness of our world, which continues to know so much loss, division, violence, and pain. We remember that we are loved and claimed by God, that we are forgiven, that God is working to restore every person and this world. For this, we can give thanks. For this one day, we will rejoice.
1: Today we ask, how does a weary world practice joy? Perhaps we can practice joy by throwing birthday parties and inviting friends to play pickleball or by hanging Christmas lights and holding sleeping babies, or by singing loudly and looking for good news. We can practice joy by telling the story of Jesus
0: and showing up for our community, by sharing food with those we love and those on the street corner we don't know yet. We can practice joy by looking up at the stars and remembering God's promises. A weary weary world can practice joy by listening to stories of connection and resilience, by resisting isolation and resentment, and leaning into friendships.
1: There are a million ways to practice joy and one Holy Spirit who works in them. Today we light the candle of joy As a reminder and a charge. Together with God's help, may we bring joy into a weary world. And may God's joy fill our own weary and grieving souls as we do so. Amen.
2: Well, that was beautiful seeing this group of friends who have invited each other to pickleball and have shared meals and have been through weariness and joy together. So thank you for reading today, Lori, Dean, and Julie. So good morning, Wellspring family and friends. It's good to be with you all today. Um, and the puppies that are here. I saw a couple puppies here this morning. And all of our friends at home, you with your, your family members, any pets you may have, um, it is good to be with you today as we um, here begin the season of Advent. Now, um, Advent is also, like, the very beginning of the church year, so Happy New Year. (laughs) Yay! We just jumped right into New Year. Like, didn't even—I don't feel very different, but here we are. Um, I was actually talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about how it really just doesn't feel like Christmas to them. And when they said that, I felt like a whole load was lifted off of my shoulders because I felt like, you get it, too! (laughs) it doesn't really feel like christmas for me either and i don't know why (laughs) like you me same and I thought maybe for me, we might have different reasons why, but maybe for me there's just this feeling of like unsettledness. Um, there's unsettledness like personally, and like my family just moved last week. The day after Thanksgiving, we moved our whole Ohana over. And we're not getting adjusted, we're not quite adjusted yet. Our cat is still getting adjusted. We have to like show her where the bathroom is every day. Like it's over here now. <laughs> so we're kind of unsettled. And then you might notice like here at Wellspring, like we are still in the process of moving in. You might've noticed when you walked in today, like it's kind of set up a little different and we have this brand new platform in the back that the live stream team is building so they can move themselves over from over here by the entrance to over here. So we're able to have a little bit more space as we come in and be able to greet each other and hopefully have some good cups of coffee and all that good stuff. So we're still moving in here at Wellspring. It's still a little unsettled. And then in our world in general, like this last week, I was um, messaging a friend on Facebook and, you know, sometimes you have notifications pop up and I saw that a friend of ours from high school was praying for their child and it just said, no details, just pray for, pray for Judah. And when they posted that, I immediately felt like, oh no, because oftentimes when people ask for help like that, it's often not very good. Uh, and so I immediately messaged them, began praying, and the next day found out their child had unexpectedly passed at about 11 years old. And just this heaviness all over everything and reminding me of my, you know, my, my family's own story. And so throughout the week, you know, sending them messages and holding space for that grief, as well as just holding space for what's happening in the world. And sometimes I can't even handle that. I have to like take a break for a couple of days. It was really wonderful while there was a ceasefire in Gaza and in Israel. I was like, woohoo, a ceasefire. And people are being reunited with families. And then after a couple of days, I was like, okay, I have to step back from the news again because there's so much going on, so much unsettling news, so much heartbreak, so much loss. I know for all of those of you who feel things deeply, this is a really hard time to be right now. So here we are. It's getting to be Christmas time, and it's heavy. And I'm sensing, even here at Wellspring, just a general tiredness. We're tired. We've been through a lot of change. We've been through a couple different moves. We're navigating everything from uh, finding new routines with our families to figuring out how we're going to travel and meet with each other again. We are still unsettled. And so here at Wellspring for the next couple weeks, we're gonna be asking the question, how does a weary world rejoice? A question that the three of you brought us into so well with our first Advent reading today. How does a weary world rejoice? And every single week as we get closer to celebrating Jesus' birth, and you know continuing to anticipate his second arrival we're going to be looking at a different story in the book of luke and asking ourselves this question how does a weary world rejoice what are practices that move us into joy even in the weariness even in the tiredness so we're going to be in the book of luke which helps provide a way forward for us because luke begins with a sense of heaviness a sense of unsettledness and weightiness in the area um, as, as Luke begins his gospel, he starts out with a little bit of why he's writing. I'm writing because I want to give you my own accounts. And, um, you know, Luke travels with Paul and he has access to all the, the disciples and the apostles and Mary. And so he's hearing all these stories, and He thinks I want to write these down. Then after he kind of introduces a little bit of his why for why he's writing the story, then he begins his book this way. This is in verse five. He says this, he says this, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. In the time of Herod, king of Judea. And those words immediately would conjure up the rule of this narcissistic and very fragile king who was known for killing his family members, including three of his own sons, was known for building huge building projects, including the temple, but had a very uh, tumultuous um, relationship with people around him, was always very paranoid. I think I read somewhere that he had like 2,000 secret police that were working for him to make sure that if there were any rumblings around him, those people would be eliminated. So it was a time of deep unsettling, uh, a deep, deep unsettledness. It was a time of a lot of weariness and struggle. It's because of King Herod that all of the the baby boys, the the children two years old and younger were murdered in Bethlehem. It was because of King Herod being so power hungry and so fragile and wanting to hold on to control um, that all those children were murdered. So King Herod in the time of Herod, King of Judea, immediately Luke sets the stage for us, a stage of weariness. There has been a lot of hope and hope is running thin. People have been disappointed. They're tired. There's a lot of violence around them. At the same time, the book of Luke has more mentions of joy in it than any other gospel. Luke has more mentions of joy or rejoicing than any of the other gospels. So we have this interplay of weariness, of unsettledness, as well as joy the two of them together, which means Luke is the perfect book for us as we go about asking ourselves, how does a weary world rejoice? And in case that sounds a little familiar to you, that phrase, it's because it comes from one of our Christmas carols, one that I think we are even singing this morning here at Wellspring for our sending song. We'll find out. If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry, Steve. Uh, The song, Oh Holy Night, right? We sing it every Christmas Eve, um, or at least our halal will dance to it as we light our candles. And it's this wonderful uh, Christmas carol. And And that line, the weary world rejoices, is the line that we're lifting up and inviting ourselves to sit in as we go through the book of Luke together. So, um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the text. Uh, And as I do so, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context for it. Just before our passage for today, Zechariah, who is an old priest, um, has been waiting for a child for many years and experiencing a lot of infertility with his wife, Elizabeth. And he's just been met by an angel, a messenger of God in the temple, who tells him that he's going to be a dad. And he's like, at my age. And uh, he really kind of struggles to enter into the good news. He struggles to enter into into the joyful news. There's some resistance in him. He's like, how will I know? What's the proof that this will happen? The angel's like, well, you'll be silent until it does. (laughs) It's quite a powerful sign, right? Like, oh, I'd like to talk, but I can't. And that was a reminder every day. Every day he wanted to talk, it was the reminder of, oh, I've been given a sign that something good is coming. So that's right before our text for today, Um, and that's right where our text today picks up. He comes back home, and here we are. I'm going to be reading from an interpretation known as The Voice, and it's meant to be read aloud. So I'm going to go ahead, and let's try to do this. Shortly after his return, Elizabeth, that's his wife, becomes pregnant. She avoided public contact for the next five months. She says this, I've lived with the disgrace of being barren for all these years. Now God has looked on me with favor. When I go out in public with my baby, I will not be disgraced any longer. Six months later, in Nazareth, a city in the rural province of Galilee, the heavenly messenger Gabriel made another appearance. This time, the messenger was sent by God to meet with a virgin named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. The messenger entered her home. Greetings! You are favored, and the Lord is with you. Among all women on the earth, you have been blessed. The heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary, and she wondered what type of greeting this was. Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Listen, you are going to become pregnant. You will have a son, and you must name him Savior Jesus. Jesus will become the greatest among men. He will be known as the son of the highest God. God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. But I have never been with a man, says Mary. How can this be possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. That's why this holy child will be known not just as your son, but also as a son of God. It sounds impossible, but listen, you know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is now far too old to be a mother, yet she has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months she will have a son. So the impossible is possible with God. Siding in her heart, Mary says this, here I am, the Lord's humble servant. As you have said, let it be done to me. And the heavenly messenger was gone. Mary immediately got up and hurried to the hill country in the province of Judah where her cousins Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. When Mary entered their home and greeted Elizabeth, who felt her baby leap in her womb, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit shouting, she says. You are blessed, Mary, blessed among all women, and the child you bear is blessed, and blessed am I as well that the mother of my Lord has come to me. As soon as I heard your voice greet me, my baby, weep for joy within me. How fortunate you are, Mary, for you believed that what the Lord told you would be fulfilled. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our passage for today begins and it ends with the words of Elizabeth, who knows what it's like to feel weariness and joy. And her words and her family's example are gonna bring us right into number one in your notes. The first bullet point is this. How does a weary world rejoice? First, we acknowledge where relief is needed or where relief has come. We acknowledge where relief is needed or where relief has come. Right before this passage Zechariah in the temple as the angel tells him you're going to have a son he acknowledges where relief is needed which is in the arena of hope for him how can this be sure how can i be how can i be sure of this how can i know this will happen because he is so weary of hoping and hoping and being disappointed so he names he acknowledges where relief is needed And Elizabeth, on the other hand, she acknowledges where relief has come. I love her words. She says this, she says, the Lord has shown me favor and taken away my disgrace. Can you feel the relief in those words? Now, when I go out among the village, I am not gonna have to be ashamed. So much relief in her words. She's acknowledging where relief has come. And in in the culture of her day, people would interpret childlessness as a sign that God is upset with you, a sign that you're doing something wrong, as a sign of a personal failing. And for us in our culture today, um, for those of you who have infertility as part of your family story, which are so many of us, even here in this room, you know how weighty and traumatic that can be, even in our society. You know how heartbreaking it can be to wait and to have dash hopes every month. You know how it is to have unhelpful comments from people who mean well and unhelpful comments from people who don't mean as well. Here in this moment, Elizabeth, who's carried so much heaviness, so much weariness, is able to name where there's been relief. I think if we were to pause for a moment and think about just our own own story, where we are right now in our life. What? What in you needs relief today? What in you is longing for relief? Needs to be acknowledged. It's like, I I need relief in this area of my life where I've been holding on to hope or I've been waiting for that one answer to come through. I've been waiting for this family member to change. What in you needs relief? And also what in you, where has relief already come? I'm so glad I was able to pay that bill. I'm so glad I was able to talk to that family member and the conversation went better than I thought it would. I'm so glad our cat this morning found the bathroom. (laughs) Thanks to Pastor Dan. Thanks to Dan for (laughs) coaxing her there. Yay. (laughs) This way, this way, cat, this way, cat. (laughs) Where, Where are you waiting for relief in your life? And where has it already showed up? Sometimes the first steps to experiencing joy in our weariness is acknowledging this. And this brings us to number two in our notes. How does a weary world rejoice? We partner with God's co creating mission. How does a weary world rejoice? We partner with God's co creating mission. As we carry on in our story, right, we have uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah who they're just so relieved. There's so much joy, but they have to also name, you know, some of their disappointments. Then we get to the angel appearing to Mary, and Mary has, you know, a very different. Uh, Sort of response to the angel's message. And now, if you're reading um, the angel Gabriel's greeting to Mary, uh, in the English text that you're reading from, it might say that the angel says to her, Hail Mary, or Greetings Mary. I've yet to read a translation that says hello, but if you find one, tell me because I want to know what it is. Um, But literally, that Greek word there, when the angel appears to Mary and says, Greetings or Hail, that word actually has an exact word in our English language from the Greek. And that word is rejoice. The angel literally says to Mary when he meets her, rejoice, Mary, you who are highly favored. And all the time it's translated as rejoice, 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 rejoice. And then like in two places, it's translated as greetings. I'm like, oh, I really think that the angel was saying joy to you. (laughs) And what's funny is her response. Like She's not like, yay, I'm filled with joy at this messenger that showed up at my house. No, she is like baffled and perplexed and troubled. That makes me think that sometimes uh, we joy doesn't just show up right away. Just because this angel comes and says, rejoice, Mary, doesn't mean she's feeling it yet, right? (laughs) She's wondering, what's going on here? Um, And I think it's because sometimes, too, in our lives, we don't always know how beloved we are, how highly favored of God we are, because sometimes it feels like our situations around us don't reflect that. And I think that maybe when this angel appeared to Mary and was like, joy to you, Mary, you're highly favored among women, the Lord is with you, and she's all perplexed, it's probably because she doesn't feel that way. (laughs) That's just my guess. So here she is, she's perplexed, but she's listening. She's li- listening. She listens to this news that the angel gives her and something in her says, yes. Although she doesn't feel joy right away. Um, the angel even has to tell her not to be afraid. Uh, and she has a lot of que- she has questions about how the logistics will work. Right? She's no dummy, she's young, but she, she knows that she can't just get pregnant. Um, she knows some biology. She knows theology, too. Can we just say that? When she goes and she sings her song in the next passage after this, she knows her theology. So for all of you wondering out there, Mary, did you know? The answer is yes, Mary knew. (laughs) So she knows her biology. She's like, how will this work? I've never been with a man. She knows her theology. We can see later on from her song. Um, but She also knows her sociology. She knows that becoming pregnant in the stage of life she is in right now will cost her something. I think that's part of the, 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 how long it takes for her to experience joy. I think that's part of knowing the cost. She might not know the whole cost, the whole sword that will pierce her side as her son, the king of David, the son of David, the king, the son of the most high, when she sees him die. I think she doesn't quite know that yet, but she is counting a cost, she is. And she responds by saying this, I am the servant of the Lord. It's very collaborative. It sounds like, oh yeah, she's stepping into this. And yet it goes even beyond mere collaboration. That word she uses when she says, I'm the servant of the Lord, it's actually a word used to describe slaves' bodies in the culture of her day. She is literally saying, God, not only do you have my future and my hopes and sort of the arc of my life, but I am giving you even my embodied life. I am even giving this here flesh to you. So if anyone is ever wondering about consent in this story, Mary is wholeheartedly giving herself to God And God is also giving God's own life to Mary. God is also vulnerably resting the hopes for the entire world, God's hopes for all of creation in one unhoused, soon to be unhoused, an unprepared and an unmarried young woman. God is entrusting Mary with God's own body, the body of Jesus. There's so much mutuality here that we don't always think of, so much holy collaboration Vulnerability required from Mary, also vulnerability required of God. As this young teen carries God, and as God grows in the young teen, one day culminating in that squalling, squirmy baby boy pushed out of a birth canal and into a manger. As the Christmas card, the Christmas carol goes, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. They're met in Mary and Jesus and jesus as god and mary in holy collaboration together do something wonderful so my question for us as we get closer to christmas is this think of a time where it seemed you and god were really collaborating together you were with god you felt like god was with you you were serving or caring for someone or something perhaps it was in prayer Maybe it was caregiving for a parent. Perhaps it was when you were doing your homework and you just sensed that what you were working on was something God really cared about. What did it feel like? What might be a divine invitation for you this Advent? Something that encourages my own wonderings and inspires me to want to collaborate with God more is the story that I came across a couple months ago of this bald eagle named Murphy. Now Murphy is a bald eagle who, um, unfortunately he broke a wing and a leg when he was very young and so he's unable to fly. So he spent his entire life at this World Bird Sanctuary. It's also very hard to say World Bird. Can you just try to say that? World Bird, World Bird. It's hard. So I'm going to try to say it over the next couple sentences. So Murphy has been here at World Bird Sanctuary in St. Louis. And um, early this year, I think I have a picture of him. Oh, here's, here he is. Um, earlier this year, this went viral on uh, what used to be known as Twitter on X. And um, everyone was noticing that Murphy was just kind of like hanging out under, under a perch. And he had kind of cleared an area. There was like a couple little feathers and there was a rock there. And Murphy kept sitting on the rock. And so uh, the keepers realized that Murphy was sitting on the rock as though it were an egg. And then he began screeching at the other birds if they got too close. And so the keepers are, you know, kind of like it, it, it flummoxed by this behavior. And then the visitors started noticing. Why is that bird in the corner? Is it screeching at the other birds, is that bird hurt? So the keepers had to put up this note right here, and this is what went viral. Is that eagle hurt, says the note. If you see an eagle lying down in the back left corner under perch, that's Murphy. Murphy is not hurt, sick or otherwise in distress. He has built a nest on the ground and is very carefully incubating a rock. We wish him the best of luck isn't that great so yeah it went viral millions of people saw this and um at the same time that same week that his story went viral a bald eagle chick was rescued by world bird sanctuary after the nest had fallen from you know the top of a tree somewhere it was brought into the sanctuary and um the the workers put two and two together And with a lot of care and thought, Murphy was introduced to this baby chick. And Murphy quickly adopted him as his own. He cares for him as a proud papa. So here we are, (laughs) there's Murphy. And then the baby chick, this is from a still from a video. He's like bobbing his head back and forth, getting food from dad. So Murphy is very, very proud papa. And uh, there's even this really cute picture of their, their little toe prints and the rock, the original rock. It doesn't even look like an egg to me but to murphy it was an egg (laughs) now i love this story for so many reasons and truth be told i've been hanging on to it for months just thinking one day i'll put this in a sermon one day i'll put this in a sermon and a couple a couple weeks ago, I was like, I'll put in a sermon. And then I just didn't go. I had, to, I had to cut it. And I was like, oh, Murphy. And I had to say, this week, as I'm thinking about collaborating with God and, and how strange it is to collaborate with, with the divine, how does one even do that? And then I thought of Murphy. You see, God sees humanity's hopes. God sees our needs and wants to bring them to life all the broken things that lead to our weariness, God sees all these. And when we look at Mary's, Mary's song later on, we see that she wants God to do specific things. She wants God to send the proud down from their thrones and lift up the humble and care for the needy. She wants God to do all these things. She wants God to be merciful. And it's not just Mary's hopes and wishes and desires. It's humanity's, just like Murphy wanted a child but could not bring one into being. Murphy had no partner, no egg no chick murphy was alone you would think murphy's hopes and desires would have gone unmet and yet he kept hoping and his keepers saw this and they also want chicks to be fed and cared for that's their mission as world bird sanctuary i said it right that time that's their mission and they saw This eagle, Murphy, who also wanted that. And they were able to find a way so that Murphy's deepest hopes and desires, which are also theirs, could be met. And I think of this, Murphy didn't even know that his little egg was not an egg, but had been swapped out by a real chick. And sometimes the things we long for that can seem so impossible, like they will never come to fruition, whether it's peace in the Middle East, whether it's peace in our families. And yet God can somehow, as the divine keeper, move things around and bring to life and make a possibility where there seemed to be no possibility. As the angel Gabriel puts it, with God, nothing is impossible. That tells me our co-creating together, miracles can happen as they did for Mary, as they did for Jesus, who was born, as they did for Zechariah, who was so weary, and Elizabeth, who was so relieved. This brings us to number three in our notes. How does a weary world rejoice? We lean into life-giving connections that infill and uplift. We lean into life-giving connections that infill and uplift. You see, after, um, after Elizabeth uh, gets this news from her husband, um, after she finds out that she's pregnant, the scripture text for today opens and she's in seclusion. She's in seclusion for five months. And I look this up. This is not necessarily something that you do in their culture. This is something that, for reasons known to herself, Elizabeth is doing. We can just speculate as to why, you know, why this self imposed, you know, um, isolation. We can speculate as to why, but we do know what brings her out of it. You know what brings Elizabeth out of those five months of seclusion? It's the arrival of Mary. It's Mary. It's Mary and her visit. Somehow the arrival of Mary there triggers this outpouring of joy that has been talked about in the text, but now suddenly is felt as the the child within her leaps for joy, as loud words, it says she's shouting in the text, blessed are you and blessed is your child and blessed are we here together, this outpouring of joy that wraps around Mary like a hug. Suddenly, instead of talking about joy, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in motion. And it looks like it just kind of splashes on the scene. But the truth is it's been building up to it for a while. Kind of like if you go to the ocean and you look at where all the waves are cresting, it looks like the waves are just suddenly splashing and cresting. But the truth is that water had to travel for a while before it could get there, before it could crest before it could splash. And joy is like that. It is on its way. It is growing. It is coming. It is moving until the day that it splashes over and it looks like, oh, it just suddenly appeared. But it's been on its way. Just as it was for Murphy, who sat on that dang rock and his keepers figured out how can we how what can we do here? <laughs> Murphy really wants a baby. It looks like the world wants Murphy to have a baby too. <laughs> so friends, how, how does a worry world rejoice? We lean into these life-giving connections where the Holy Spirit is calling us, where we sense God's life, where we sense God's goodness. How does a weary world rejoice? We acknowledge what in us is, is weary, is tired, um, is needing relief. How does a weary world rejoice? We partner and co-create with God. These are all ways that in our weariness, we will one day experience a splash of joy. That has been coming all along. This last week, as my family got ready to move, there was one final thing we needed to do on the house. Oh, I say that, but I'm I'm kind of exaggerating. There's a million things still to do. <laughs> If you ever come over, you'll be like, is that wood rot all on the outside of their house? It is. It is. Are those holes? Yes, it, there are holes. Uh, but in order for us to move, there was one thing that we really had to do, and that was fix the holes in our um, wood floor. Because as you come up the stairs, there was a number, number of um, wood panels that had just been rotted out, and we couldn't walk on those, right? You're like fall through. And in some cases, it was actually even cut out. So we, we knew we had to get that fixed before we asked any friends to come help us move because that would not be cool. That would not be Pono. Come help us move. Oh, but beware of all the holes. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're working with a friend who is helping us and he didn't have enough time. So he asked his uncle Steve, Uncle Steve is a guy if you meet him and I'm hoping he comes to Christmas Eve. um, I'm also hoping our gutter guy comes to Christmas Eve a really awesome professional. Oh, there's so many guys, cool people I met. Um, So anyway, you meet Steve and you know that Uncle Steve has a story. You just know it. You know, some people you meet them and you're like, oh, you've got a story. One day I'm going to want to hear it. Uh, so I was meeting with him and he's working on the on the floor, cutting the pieces out, getting stuff ready. And he's showing me how, as if I know, as if I know how to do it. As if one day there's another piece that's rotted out, I will be able to fix. <laughs> I was like, thank you for your faith in me, but I can't do that yet. <laughs> so as he's showing me the ropes, he, we're talking. And uh, it came up that he was going to come back in a couple days and wasn't sure if I was going to be there at that time because it was uh, the anniversary of our son, Vincent, who passed away from cancer. It was going to be the 13th anniversary of his death. And I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, I don't really know my, about my schedule for that day. I might not be here. And as I'm talking with him, he begins weeping. And it turns out that his son, who is my age, was missing. He'd been discharged from a hospital after an episode and they could not find him anywhere. So we just sat and we wept and we prayed together. The next morning I come to see him. I'm also coming to see the floor. <laughs> Friends and work together. <laughs> I drive down and he parks his truck in front of me and I can just see in his body that something has changed. He comes out and he, he he's weeping, but it's like a different kind of tear. And he goes, my son is found. I said, what? What? turns out he had been found the previous night. He had walked something like five hours and was found uh, in in a miraculous way. He could have gone anywhere on island. There's one person who was able to go look for him, and they just happened to be driving right where he was standing. And in that moment, we laughed, we cried, we prayed. We experienced the joy and relief as well as the sadness for what has been lost and what still needs to happen for there to be health and wholeness. I'm thinking connections like these friends, connections like these, ones that bring us together to God and God's heart, the ones that help us talk about the hard things, the ones that touch upon our hopes and our fears, Holy Spirit is in them and is with us as we have these conversations, is with us as you reach out over the next couple weeks to whoever God puts on your heart to reach out to. Know that the Holy Spirit is with you and that as you do that work, maybe things will feel a little less weary. Maybe there might be a little bit more joy. Okay, I'm really done for now. <laughs> I always close like three times now. Let's go ahead and pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you that because of you we can find joy in a weary world. Thank you that you also know exactly what weariness feels like and loss and pain and violence, having borne it in your own body. Thank you for coming to be born in us, through us. Thank you for coming to bring joy. Thank you that because of Jesus, we can be highly favored too. I pray, Lord, that you keep speaking to each one of us over these weeks ahead, that you lift burdens that need to be lifted and that you inspire us to co-create with you,
1: good and wonderful God.